With frequent wildfires contributing to airborne pollution, the harmful effects of inflammation and free radical exposure are of particular concern. But you can buttress your natural defenses with nutritional support from my friends at NT Factor. Free radicals are highly unstable molecules that can trigger cell damage, leaving your cells less equipped to utilize oxygen. NT Factor's Breakthrough Lipids formula restores energy and undoes the damage to cells caused by free radicals. Breathe Clear with NT Factor combines the benefits of NT Factor with quercetin, a powerful bioflavonoid. In addition to its antioxidant properties, quercetin is an anti-inflammatory. It works to open up the nasal and respiratory passages. For a limited time, buy one container of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get a bottle of Breathe Clear with NT Factor free. Just go to ntfactor.com, that's ntfactor.com, or call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158. This summer, arm yourself with the protective power of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get Breathe Clear with NT Factor absolutely free and breathe freely while supporting your body's fight against free radicals. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's subject relates to something that commonly is referred to as food stamps, but the food stamp concept has been updated uh, with a new acronym. It's SNAP, Supplementary Nutrition uh, Something. Our guest is going to tell us about it. Uh, the problem with SNAP is that it's designed to address food insecurity. But some studies suggest that uh, it, while it may alleviate uh, outright hunger and starvation, uh, it may encourage people to make not the best food choices. Uh, with us today is Carolina Schneider. Uh, she is a, an MS and an RD. Uh, she's a registered dietitian. Uh, she is, has the acronym Carolina the Green RD. We'll talk a little bit about uh, her uh, expertise in the realm of the plant-based diet. Uh, she says that the Farm Bill Supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, uh, while providing vital assistance to millions of disadvantaged Americans, uh, but uh, there's some crucial nutrition gaps that demand attention from Congress. And uh, my impression is that uh, there are well, Congress uh, does all kinds of nonsensical things uh, in terms of uh, political strife. Uh, they're actually uh, their business is to pass bills and uh, they're enacting a new farm bill by the end of September. And that is a real opportunity to optimize SNAP benefits. So without further ado, let's hear from uh, Carolina Schneider about the SNAP program, the and I have it here. It is the uh, Supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP. Welcome, Caroline. It's a pleasure having you. Hi, doctor. Thank you so much for having me today. It's my great pleasure. So, uh, yeah, this is an issue that you know we've touched about here on on Intelligent Medicine, but uh, I come to it from you know a relatively uh, uneducated standpoint uh, because it's my impression that unfortunately. Under the SNAP program, you get uh, SNAP benefits and you get a card or you get 
you know, it's no longer physical stamps. It's basically like a credit card. And then you can go to a grocer and you can get all manner of foods. But maybe some things that maybe not so great. Yep, absolutely, doctor. So just to give a little bit of an introduction, you know, and on the farm bill that you mentioned that's coming up now um, to be updated uh, by the end of September and the SNAP program. Um, so some people may be wondering, you know, why is the farm bill relevant? Isn't it just um, relevant to farmers? Perhaps I hear that a lot. But actually, the farm bill um, includes provisions for nutrition assistance programs such as SNAP, which, as you said, is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or, you know, we used to call it food stamps. Um, so the farm bill can really either promote or hinder the development of our local regional food systems and also the amount of access that people have to nutritious food. So um, when we are looking at any updates to the Farm Bill, you know, it's an opportunity for us to improve, um, you know, existing programs such as SNAP that directly influence how much access people have to these foods. So uh, in regards to SNAP itself, it helps millions of individuals, as you mentioned, disadvantaged um, Americans. It's about 40 million Americans that rely on SNAP to put food on their table each month. Um, so, you know, we're really, we're right. really and, talking and about... Parenthetically, I, I, I must confess that there was a point uh, where uh, when I had just gotten out of college and the job market was really poor, uh, and I filed for uh, a SNAP, uh, well, in those days, food stamp benefits. And, you know, that kind of uh, helped me out at a time where, you know, I was pretty constrained in terms of my income. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that. And I think a lot of people can relate, right? So when we think about um, government assistance programs, we think of the, the, the very disadvantaged um, population, but really can affect a even, you know, people who went to college and are struggling in the workforce. We know um, nowadays it, there's so much unemployment, um, rent is very expensive. So it, it, it is tough, right, to, to make ends meet. So um, with SNAP, we, you know, in the Farm Bill, what happens is any changes in the funding or the eligibility criteria or even, you know, the program structure within the Farm Bill will have direct implications on food security. Um, so about 40 million Americans are depending on SNAP each month. About 70% of the these SNAP beneficiaries are families with children. So now we're talking about, um, you know, adults and children. So we really is determining um, how nutritious their diet is, at least how much access they have. So you mentioned, doctor, um, you know, some nutrition gaps that, you know, I would, I'm excited to talk to you about today. And just to give you a little bit um, of a context here, SNAP currently gives access to just food. So with your card, um, you can purchase food really pretty much anywhere. Um, it's actually um, pretty great the amount of uh, store selections that you have with SNAP, which we can talk about it in a second. But um, while people have access to nutritious foods, such as fruits, vegetables, grains, and proteins, um, they also have access to what we call highly processed foods. They have access to snacks, right, and packaged foods, or some people may refer to as, you know, quote unquote, joke, junk foods, sorry. Um, so, in my 
personal, professional opinion, um, one thing that we could improve with the current SNAP program is one, establish um, more strict guidelines concerning the quality and the nutritional value of the foods that people can purchase. So perhaps, you know, having some more education around um, healthy eating and and encouraging people to use their SNAP benefits towards, um, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables as much as possible, wholesome foods, um, you know, so that we can hopefully improve their their nutrition. So that's one one thing I, I want to I talk just about today. I want to interject a little bit here because one of the uh, objections to reforming the SNAP program and to make it about uh, health, quote, healthy foods, well, there's a couple of objections. One is what constitutes a healthy food you know there's a big debate about that so is it you know would we say oh you know you can't buy uh you know a sirloin steak because that's too high in fat and cholesterol some people might say that uh on the other hand some people might say uh that anything that contains sugar uh should be prohibited because sugar is such a culprit in promoting diabetes uh, and, uh, you know, all manner of, of health problems. So it's, it, that's part of the problem. The other problem is when you get to the, to the checkout uh, line, uh, people have said that this is kind of discriminatory. It's kind of embarrassing. You know, you go to the checkout line and then somebody wags their finger at you and says, I'm sorry, you can't buy that. You know, it's like you, uh, you can't exercise your personal choice at the cash register. And it's sort of a, a chastening thing like, dummy, this is not something that you should be eating, you know, that's kind of demeaning. So perhaps you could address those couple of points. Yeah. So in my professional opinion, I would say any wholesome food would be much better than a processed item. So regardless, you know, of Mm -hmm. meat or not, um, although I do follow a plant-based diet, but at the end of the day, we're talking about healthy foods as mm-hmm. in wholesome foods, so minimally processed foods. So, okay. and there uh, are definitions you know, of that. It's not. It's very not subjective. There's actually lists and criteria for what consi- consists. Uh, the acronym is UPFs, ultra processed foods, right? Absolutely. And there's so many levels, right, of processing. And I think you know, at the end of the day, I just want people to prioritize. Think about foods with single ingredients or very minimum ingredients, right? So if you're buying an apple, the ingredient is apple. If you're buying an egg, it's eggs. If you're buying um, brown rice, the ingredient is rice. So a single ingredient item. So if you can think about mm-hmm. it that way, you know mm-hmm. a food is wholesome if it's in its right. raw, original form. So, so buy an um, apple, not an apple Pop-Tart. That might be correct. sort of the idea there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's one thing I think we're lacking in SNAP. And a second thing that is equally as important um, is access to vitamin supplementation. So let Mm. me just clarify that as a dietitian, I truly believe in the food first approach mm-hmm. um, when it comes to getting your nutrients, right? So we should prioritize food. Absolutely. But unfortunately, I also know from personal experience, actually, that we cannot eat our way to certain vitamins. And we do experience vitamin deficiencies um, here in the US, even people who are getting plenty of food, plenty of healthy foods, even myself as a dietitian. Um, And you know, in particular, what I'm 
you know, I think would be the most um, beneficial to add into SNAP right now um, is vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And yeah. why? I mean, about we, we, might, of- we might be opening up the floodgates. We said, well, you can buy anything you want, you know, on the, the entire formulary of potentially anti-aging supplements. That could cost the government big bucks. And maybe people would be uh, swallowing vitamins instead of buying wholesome foods with their <laughs> SNAP allocation. But there, there's certain things that you got to say they're the true verities about nutritional supplementation and you hit on one vitamin d absolutely and we see that you know one uh, um, real examples of patients and like i said myself who are consuming a wholesome diet and, a, and you know a balanced diet and are still vitamin d deficient um and that's for many reasons right so we, we know about 40 percent of the population um is deficient in vitamin d and um why is that um one we can simply cannot get enough through food we found this through um you know randomized control trials that we've had in the last few years showing that um you know unfortunately we cannot m- meet adequate blood levels um, through food, but also think about, you know, the best source of vitamin D is sunlight. That's how we produce vitamin D. Well, we're told to stay indoors. We're, we're working from home. We're wearing sunscreen because there are other concerns when it comes to sun exposure, right? So um, it really is not and, and as simple as sometimes older we think. individuals, people who are particularly at risk nutritionally, uh, they may be uh, housebound and they don't spend time baking in the sun and, and older skin also is less amenable to uh, vitamin D production. So we see rampant vitamin D deficiency in, in seniors. Absolutely, doctor. And, you know, even in a, in a diet that does not have any restrictions, someone who is consuming good sources of vitamin D, such as eggs and dairy um, and fish and shellfish, we still see vitamin D deficiencies. So it's not to say like, oh, you know, I'm plant-based and I don't eat those foods. Therefore, um, obviously, I'm going to be at a high risk for vitamin D deficiency. Yes, that's correct. But even the people who are consuming these vitamin D, you know, rich foods um, are not getting adequate blood, blood levels. And what we found in the last few years um, is that, you know, meeting adequate blood levels of vitamin D is essential for preventing disease. You know, we've known this, but now in the last few years, um, it's been pretty pretty clear with respiratory infections. Um, we know it reduces your risk for depression, um, asthma. We know about 60% of preterm births can be um, prevented if you have adequate levels of vitamin D, same for some types of cancer and cardiovascular disease, diabetes. So the list goes on and on. So um, we know the role it plays in our immunity um, and protecting us from disease. So this is why, you know, as a dietitian, again, I love promoting foods for getting your nutrients, but vitamin D is simply one thing we cannot eat our way into. And um, I'm thinking about the, the people, the less fortunate who already are struggling to put food on the table. They're struggling to get enough foods. Can you imagine, you know, their vitamin D levels um, and, and how much of a difference it could make for them to get vitamin D supplementation so that they can meet that that level more easily. Um, and, and again, you know, we, we definitely have to check your blood levels. So if you're listening to this, regardless of SNAP, um, make sure you're getting your blood levels checked at least once a year with your, you know, primary care physician, do the vitamin D test and, you know, all your blood panel. And then, you know, some people might be fine, but majority of your people do need to supplement until we reach adequate blood levels. How about the, uh, the situation at the checkout line where, you know, 
people feel it's discriminatory to tell people what to eat. It's, you know, none of your business what I do with my SNAP card. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, and that's very unfortunate. I think um, at the end of the day, um, it, it comes to first giving people access to food, right? Unfortunately, in my opinion, um, people have access to a lot of these processed items that perhaps it sound more appealing. They sound uh, more tasty. So that's why we may see people using their SNAP benefits to buy, you know, chips and candy. Um, and, and I think that's part of education. You know, a lot of people and most people are not um, familiar with what good nutrition means, right? It's a very confusing topic. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So I think, um, doctor, one way that we could, you know, try to, to, raise more awareness on what healthy eating means um, is by encouraging people to shop at local independent grocery stores and natural product stores. And you can do that with your SNAP benefits, actually. Um, people can just Google natural grocers directory um, or go to the infra star directory. And why do I say that? Well, those stores more often than not are sourcing their produce from local farmers and they offer better foods in general, less process, you know, less of the snacks, the candy. So that's one way that people can shop confidently that they are getting better food selections. And really, at the end of the day, you said it's it's not anyone's business what people do with their snap. And I think it's very unfortunate that that happened. But if people were more empowered with knowledge, knowing, OK, I know this is good for me. I know this is good for my my children. Um, you know, they maybe feel more confident to shop, um, you know, anywhere. Indeed. And and actually, unfortunately, the problem of the nutritional problem in the United States has shifted from uh, from starvation and the type of malnutrition that causes people to have insufficient intake of macronutrients to uh, obesity. And, you know, you look socioeconomically, the preponderance of individuals with obesity or individuals of lower economic status. So we've seen that this is like a unprecedented historical development. And you know, the cheap foods are the fattening foods, the very foods that cause people to gain weight and develop uh, degenerative diseases. And actually, there was a, a study, and I believe it was in the New England Journal of Medicine, I recall, uh, you know, within the last year or two, uh, which showed that individuals who were on the SNAP program, uh, by and large, had a higher percentage of overweight, unfortunately, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, individuals who were of comparable economic status because they tried to match people. You know, they didn't want to say, well, if you're not on the SNAP program, maybe you got enough money not to be on the SNAP program, but just people who did not register for the program of same economic status, they had less in the way of obesity. So in effect, we have a program that may be subsidizing obesity and disease. That's disconcerting. Uh, absolutely. And I think that is definitely, you know, why I, I believe a restructure in the sense of having stricter guidelines and uh, you know i don't know exactly what that looks like but per perhaps um eliminating certain food items from being included into snap like let's say you know a, a candy bar or a chocolate bar that's not going to add any nutrition um or you know and prioritizing these wholesome foods and of course um you ha we have to be mindful that some people don't have access to um, to good gro groceries around here. So we there is such a thing as a food desert in the U.S., many food deserts in the yep. U.S. So I want to be 
see mindful and fair. Um, but I think there's plenty to work with um, in terms of food options that could promote health. Um, so I think making that program a little bit more um, selective or, you know, a little bit have better guidelines can help people to make better choices for their families. And, and I believe there's some perverse incentives uh, here as well, because the uh, SNAP program is administered, I think, by the USDA, the U.S. Uh, Department of Agriculture, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Correct. Which yes. who have they have a dual mandate, kind of a schizophrenic mandate, because on the one hand, uh, the USDA is designed to promote agriculture. Uh, in this case, perhaps big ag, you know, the agricultural conglomerates, which in turn relate to big food, the big, you know, uh, food monopolies that make a lot of processed food. And so, uh, in effect, the SNAP program subsidizes and supports the uh, profit motives of, you know, these corporate giants. Uh, but at the same time, they're supposed to focus on the health and welfare of people, uh, you know, avoiding malnutrition in children and so on, so on, so on, so on, so on all good missions. But uh, by its very nature, is it not a little uh, schizophrenic, you know, this mandate? Yeah, yes, you're right. I think, unfortunately, we have um, many, many issues. You know, don't even get me started on, um, you know, the, the types of food industries that control um, our country truly in terms of, um, you know, financial means. And um, there is a lot of that. Um, and unfortunately, the government and, and certain programs may be hand in hand with um, these types of industries that don't promote the best food options. Um, so I think keeping people's health at the forefront, that should really be the priority um, and making wholesome foods more accessible and is mm -hmm. easy as it can be and you know vitamin supplementation in the case of vitamin d uh, vitamin d3 can really make a, such a big difference on someone's yep. nutritional status right so um i think that should be the priority like how can we make uh, americans in who are dependent on snap how can we promote their health and and help them prevent disease and make their mm. you know nutritional status as adequate as we can make so practically speaking this bill is going to be deliberated on and potentially passed in September. You know, it's like after Labor Day, things heat up a little bit in Congress, things get done. Uh, but who is representing uh, our viewpoint on this subject? Are there uh, organizations that are lobbying? Because you can be sure that the food industry uh, and the agricultural industry, big ag and big food, uh, have hired lobbyists who are basically saying, let's hold the course here because, you know, we have a bonanza here. 40 million people uh, basically have uh, a free ticket to buy whatever they want in supermarkets. And we don't want uh, reformers to make a dent in that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that is that is the truth of um, anything we try to change in terms of, um, you know, bills and, and politics. But, um, Dr. O, you know, one one great organization, um, a nonprofit organization that's doing beautiful work in, in helping this cause and, and trying to promote um, better access to food for SNAP 
beneficiaries is Organic and Natural Health Association. So they're a nonprofit working on this, you know, night and day to try to get this passed through Congress. Um, people listening may be wondering, well, how can I help? What can I do? Um, and it's actually very, very simple. So Organic and Natural Health Association wrote a letter um, to Congress on this matter and the importance of adding vitamin D um, supplementation, supplementation into SNAP. And you can easily ask your elected officials by going to allforvitamind.org. That's right. allforvitamind.org. Um, and really, all you have to do is, is it, go it, to the a, uh, Is it all four as in the uh, numeral four, all for vitamin D? Or is it all yeah. F-O-R? All any way you write it, it will pop up, luckily. But um, so you can spell out four or you can uh, enter the numeral okay. four. Because we'll um, put that in our show notes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So all four as in the number four, vitamin D.org, or you can also do dot com. That would also also work. Um, so what they did is they pre they pre-written this letter um, and you go into this website press the take action tab um, to take action. And all you have to do is put in your name, um, email and your zip code. And again, the letter will populate. You can modify it if you'd like, um, or you can just send it in. It sends into your local Congress representative. So it's really that simple. It takes about two minutes. And, and I'll so I'll tell you, doctor, you know, we talked in the beginning about not being very familiar, you know, with with these types of programs. And I personally was not aware that I could so easily contact my Congress um, representative. So it's a really great cause. Um, it's a great organization. And they're making it very simple for everyone to help, even if it doesn't affect you directly. It's important to, um, you know, as Americans that we can um, help others in need as much as we can. Okay, that's, I think, a very, very important issue, and that's one of the reasons I invited you on the program. But uh, in part two, our listeners know we divide our podcast into two parts. I'd like to focus on uh, your area of expertise, which is plant-based nutrition. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about plant-based nutrition, so we're going to clear up some of those when we return. Our guest is Carolina Schneider. Uh, She has a Master's of Science degree. She's also a registered dietitian. Uh, and we'll return on the subject of plant-based nutrition in just a moment. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 